The stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. This woman knew as a little girl, she had a cat-like spirit. She had no fear and always seemed to land on her feet. She became a national power tumbler at age 11 and competed in world competitions by age 15. Being competitive at such an early age taught her to be focused and goal-oriented. But along her childhood journey, a neighbor violated her world by sexually molesting her. And as an adult, she became caught in a cycle of pleasing, performing, and perfecting. But along the way, she shifted from surviving to thriving, to being a victor. Today, she teaches professionally, is a gifted storyteller, and a ghostwriter for authors. But her real greatness shines in how she helps others write their healing story. It is my pleasure to introduce you to April Tribe Juke. Hi, April. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, Annette. Thank you so much for inviting me on here. I am thrilled to be here today. And we're going to have such a good time together. I, I am just excited to have you with me. And since we're short on time, I'm going to go ahead and get us started, okay? All right. All right. So as a child, you used to play a game of imagining what you wanted. And then things would just seem to show up. Does this still work for you today? And why do you think imagining what you want is so powerful? The power of the imagination is that foresight. And it gives you an opportunity to really start to make a plan, get some ideas. And with that, it just creates a lot of fun. The opportunities that are awarded you, if you really follow through on what you can create, if you didn't create it here, then how can it possibly be created, you know, in the physical sense out there, anywhere? How possibly do you have to think of it first? And I think that's why dreams are given to us. I think that's why the opportunity to daydream is given to us. I think all of that is so, so, so important. And that's why. So it's a gift. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was just going to say it because I want to dig a little deeper on this because this imagination thing, you know, some people scold people for daydreaming and imagining things and all that. But I think you have found through your life, and even as a child, when we talk, this imagination has been a real key to your success, hasn't it? It has. With the opportunity to think, to create, I was able to see it way out in the distance and think, you know what? I want to get there. And so from where that was to where I was, I had to build a bridge, kind of do some, you know, I didn't label it at the time, reverse engineering, but that's definitely what I needed to do. Um, And so with that, all I wanted to do was make sure that I could dream it and then I would start to act on it and do little tiny pieces that would bring me up to speed. And that part was so incredible. But I knew if I didn't think about it at first, nothing would actually come about. Nothing. You know, and and what I liked about our previous discussion is when you were talking about was uh, one of the things that I got a good smile out of was that you turned it into a game. Yes. So for you as a kid, it was a game, right? It was a total game. That idea and concept of the game was just brilliant because with that, it freed my mind completely. If you play and you get in the zone, you get in flow, you are so much able to, you're able to just, gosh, bring so many more things about. 
And with the game, you're able to trick yourself. You're able to kind of get past a lot of the blocks that are in your way. Because you can say, wait, wait just a minute. This is creation. This is fun. And it really shuts down that negative voice, right? No one's ever heard the negative voice in their head before. Of right? course not. No. <laughs> of course not. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. And it would just kind of put it aside. And that way I could really just play. And that really allows so much freedom. I don't think we do that enough. I don't think I mean, we do that. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. But why do we grow up as adults and we quit playing? Isn't that interesting? It is. Because in that play space is where creativity is on fire, isn't it? Right. And anything that we want in this life has to be created before it's obtained. And so when we're able to free ourselves and allow, give ourselves permission, ladies, I give you permission to play, get into that mind, think, dream. We know vision boards are really important. This is a huge part of it for some people, right? Because they can see it. They've put it out there. And no matter what, I always called him the shame shadow, old shamey, right? When he's talking or trying to negatively put me down, I can look ahead and say, wait a minute, no, this is where it is. And in that play becomes just the doors are open. So why not stay there and enjoy it and see what really can come about? Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. So I am going to move into a little bit different space now. So between competing as a young child Plus being sexually abused, you became a person that was totally focused on pleasing, performing, and perfecting. And I see many women who get caught in this cycle for their own reasons. How did you break out of this mode? Wow. Okay. I'd like to say that I went into my little world and created something and then I was out. I'd love to say it was that simple, but it wasn't, unfortunately. But to the same credit, it ended up being as simple as making a choice. Once I made a choice to think, who am I pleasing? Myself? What am I getting out of this? What am I feeling? No, I'm feeling, this is awful. I feel like I'm actually in like enslavement and shackles to this. What's going on here? And it would actually shut down my creativity because you feel like you're walking on eggshells. You feel like, oh no, are they doing okay? Oh no, maybe I didn't give enough. And So it's always in this place of doubt, fear, shame. How I broke out of it was that I had to realize I am created to be who I need to be. Embrace it, love it, trust it, and go with it. Now that's terrifying, okay? It's terrifying to actually step into that to do. But the choice was, well, I've been stuck here the whole time and I'm miserable. So maybe I could just step out and try something different, see what happens. Because the worst thing that could happen is that I'm still miserable. Well, I already have that. So let's try it a different way. So once I made the decision to do that, I couldn't believe it. It was peace, joy. That is something that I searched for a long time was trying to find joy, happiness, that excitement. And once I made the decision to step away And to stop trying to please everybody or perform to perfection, just let it go. I was like, oh, hey, look at that. I didn't die. No one else is dead around me. I'm happy. Wow. And it is the choice. Now, it's a choice that has to be repeated continuously. Okay. And they, I would say the gaps get further and further, which is great. 
because I don't have to every hour of the day make a choice to be happy. <laughs> don't please and perfect anymore. I no longer have to do that. But at the beginning, I did. So there really is an option, but it comes down to a choice. Yeah, and I think that is such incredible wisdom. And I hope all those listening that struggle with those things hear that as well, for sure. So a woman or child that, um, that has been sexually abused can define them of who they are for the rest of their lives. And you told me that, that in that place of defining yourself that way, it's really a hard place to escape. So how did you shift from being a victim to that kind of place to becoming a vector? Great little story. <laughs> so I kind of have, there's four levels of, of being a victim and then being a survivor. And they're very close together. So as a victim, it becomes a real strong identity because people can say, you know, you were molested, you were a victim to a crime, and it's very accepting. And you can, you can sit around and say, yes, I was. And yes, I'm, I am a victim. And, and, and it becomes a label and an identity, but it becomes a trap and a cage. So then sometimes we feel like we can survive it which again is good. These are these steps that get us away from the victim into what we would call our survival. And in survival, we kind of think, all right, I'm no longer a victim because I got out. Maybe I physically got out of, there was a place of abuse. And so I physically have removed myself from that. I'm no longer there. But you can still play a little bit of victim to your mind if you're just replaying that over and over and you haven't changed your mindset. There, a piece of survival comes into play where it becomes a sense of pride. And you had to be careful with pride because there's nothing wrong with being pleased about what you can do. That's not the pride I'm talking about. I'm talking about the pride of if you hold on to this next level of survivor, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a domestic violence survivor. You're still carrying that negative baggage and bragging about it of I can survive this. No, no, no. You again have to make a choice. Think, I just don't want to survive anymore. And here's the story. I was talking about my survival to a good friend and she kind of knew about it. And after this great story who I thought, you know, I've shared it all. She just kind of looked at me and said, are you tired of surviving? Don't you want to thrive? Ooh. <laughs> and I just will tell you, that was a moment of destruction for me <laughs> because I had built up so much of my identity as being a survivor. And we're talking generational survivors. Like, this was a huge identity crisis I found myself in and I didn't have really a response. And for months, I really couldn't speak to her because she had destroyed everything. What I thought was so important, but she was absolutely right. It was the truth that just pierced right to the center of my heart. And I knew it and all the identity fell away and I felt naked like, ah, now what? And so again, it was that choice of, well, You've already lived a victim, and now you've been a survivor. Someone's challenged you to become a thriver. Come on, you can set goals. Let's, let's do this. Make a choice. So that's the good side of my head. But I was like, all right, let's do this. And I found in thriving, thriving, you serve others. You hope for others. You hope for yourself. It's a whole other place where you're thinking about others first. Not in a way of pleasing, but in a way of love. Like it's a true empathy and you really want to see people do well and do better. And it is, has a strong, strong boundary and the empathy that you share with one another 
the love, the thriving, the give back, the service all brings intense joy. And it is built in such a way that when you make the choice of it, it doesn't exhaust you. It doesn't deplete you. It actually fills you up where the, you know, the cup is half full, your cup runneth over, all of those things. It, it's amazing. Yeah, I have found the same thing. And I, I love your description of that. Absolutely. Get a little personal here. So you have children that are autistic, and you also teach children with mental illness and special needs. Uh, so my hat's off to you. Tough job. And through this, you told me that you realized that you and others often push against the universe, and that it was exhausting. So explain what this means to you and how you stopped pushing. Well, in a lot of ways, when we work with kids, adults, anyone that has special needs. And, and in, my, in my world, that happens to be autism. And it also has to, happens to be a lot of people who are born deaf or lose their hearing later in life and become deaf. There's challenges that come with all of that. And this concept of wanting to be heard, of wanting to communicate with others, of maybe wanting to become normal, that's the push. But really... If we just embrace who they are and, and help them to develop their gifts, skills, and talents, we, in return, are so blessed. So here's an example. Out of my nine children, yes, I said nine, nine children. Yes, I birthed them all. No, there's no adoptions. And no, there's no twins. So we'll get all that right, right out. But out of my four children, or nine children, four of them have autism. And they're all along the spectrum in different, different levels. And um, some you may not know that they're even on the spectrum until you get to know them a little bit more and the relationship starts to build and you're like, oh, wow, that, that was a little off. Oh, that was a little quirky. There's others who flap and who you know, move around in different ways that you're like, yeah, there's something going on there. So in instructing adults that have autism who I teach and in my own children, we have to find that they are here to build relationships of love and of trust just like we want. Now, the approach is a little bit different. That doesn't matter. And that's, that's the opening and the freeing part that we don't have to push against this, the, the universe anymore because they are here to help instruct us if we embrace who they are and not try to fix them. They're not broken. They are amazing. And it takes patience to find that. It takes um, time. It takes good boundaries. It takes consistency. And it takes some stability. With that, wow, they'll show you amazing things, gifts, talents, love. Love like you, you can't believe. And you are so enriched. You come away not exhausted, but uplifted. And you can share even more with the whole world. Well, and I want to dig just a second deeper on that, because one of the things that I personally have experienced, April, is that when I tried to control things, I, which is in reality, is trying to control the universe, the flow of life, I'm absolutely exhausted, absolutely exhausted. Mm -hmm. And when I do what I can, but let the rest go and not try to control the outcome of everything, 
I find that life just goes along so much easier. And the driven part of me struggles with that a little bit. And I expect you can understand that being a driven woman yourself, because we are all about wanting to control things and make things happen. And uh, sometimes we have to temper that, don't we? We do. We have, we have plans that are set out. We have goals. We have ideas. And then we have to remember there's a special added ingredient. It's called life. Right? Yeah. And so when life gets sprinkled in, it's not that your goals get thrown away. It is that, oh, I have to adjust the path of how I'm going to accomplish this goal. That's the flexibility. And that's where we drop the control. I think some people think, oh, well, if you don't want to control anything, then you might not have goals. And so you really can't succeed or, or be successful with anything. No, absolutely not. You have your goals, but then if you trust in a higher power and exercise faith and allow the path, maybe this, we look at stumbling blocks that are in our way. If we figure out ways around them, over them, maybe even under them and out the other way, we've gained so many different skill sets. We've learned exactly probably the lesson we were supposed to learn. And in the end, the goal was accomplished, maybe not in the way that we had set forth, which is the part that we let go. Yeah. And when we do that, the world opens up. Isn't it free? I mean, when I finally realized that I didn't have to control everything, I breathed a sigh of relief. I thought, whee, that's so much better. Because <laughs> it was tough trying to push against the universe. So, <laughs> Yeah, and we're not meant to. We're, no, we're, we're not, not meant, meant to. to. We're not no, meant to. we're not meant to. Okay, so I want to talk a moment about the labels we put on ourselves. You touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, But I want to particularly address the ones that keep us trapped in some past moment of time. So is there anything else you want to say in terms of your take on this? And and, and particularly want you to speak into what is the danger of using these labels the wrong way? Okay. So like I kind of shared with the concept of being a victim, a survivor, thriver, impossible victor, the labels that we do, they build what I call a comfort cage around us. Some people call it, oh, the comfort zone. No, no, it's really a cage. You're really actually trapped because this label identifies you and doesn't allow you to grow. If you've labeled yourself a survivor, that's it. Good job. Yay, thanks for surviving. Isn't there more? There's always more beyond. If we think about journeys, if we think about progress, when you've identified yourself with a label, if you need the label temporarily to maybe find clarity, to maybe adjust your situation, absolutely, that's fine. But remember, labels can be removed and you can have a new one. If you're someone that really identifies quickly and you need that for your progress, that's okay, as long as you remember that it's not permanent. Otherwise, you've pegged yourself in a comfort cage and you're not going to grow anymore. And you'll find yourself kind of spinning in a cycle. You'll find yourself not getting beyond. And you will look around wondering, why am I not really making any progress? And it could be because of that label that's on you, that you've labeled victim, a survivor, even a thriver. Thriving is still good. Believe me, still good. You want to even reach a little bit beyond and becoming a victor. Now there's even levels and stages within being a victor, because as long as you have life, you have light. And with every ounce of the day that's given to you, you still will be different than you were the moment you woke up. We all have learning experiences through the day. So don't identify too quickly with the labels that will last for forever. 
You don't want to have that. You want to always be progressing. Like, for example, if someone says, oh, Annette, it is so great to see you. You haven't changed a bit. I'd be very offended. I'd be like, (laughs) I have changed. You haven't seen me in, you know, 30 years and I have changed. And you, you want that. You want people to look and go, oh my gosh, wow. And they want to admire, but they want to follow. And I think as women, sometimes we have competitions between ourselves and think, oh, well, she's at that level and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to race up there and I'm going to pass her and I'm going to beat her. I'm Sisters, if I can get your attention, same team, same team, cheer each other on. If someone's stuck in a label, challenge them, be a truth teller. Truth tellers don't have to be harsh. You can still love, you can still help, and still find healing paths, find healing journeys. I'm here to tell you, if you think you're done, <laughs> just wait for tomorrow. A new <laughs> challenge will pop up. I can guarantee you that. It happens so, all the time, doesn't it? All the time. <laughs> all the time. All right. I've got one last question for you. Women sometimes worry about pleasing others and being liked because they want others to love them. There was a point when you were certainly in this place as well. So where are you now? And what advice would you have for other women about pleasing others and being liked? Okay, I'm going to answer this with an interesting question. If you had a to-do list and you're putting something all down, is your name on that to-do list? If your name is nowhere on that to-do list, you might want to revisit some of your priorities. Okay, because if you know and love yourself, then you can turn around and love others completely. And this isn't a love of narcissism or selfishness. This is a place to know, you know what, I'm going to need some rest today and I'm going to give myself that because I know in the end, if I give myself that 15 minute quick power nap, then I can still reach out and be the person that I know I can be. I can meet the obligations that are in front of me because, you know, no lie, there's some people, I mean, some of us have jobs, full-time things that, that are still happening. So yeah, we have to meet those, you know, standards and the priorities that are out there. But if we're not focused on here with knowing that we are loved, we are lovable, and it has to start there. Otherwise, we feel empty and we feel like we're going to be chasing something. And therefore, we got to please other people, right? Because if we're pleasing, performing, and perfecting for someone else, then they'll give me some love. No, no, no. Because they'll mess up. And, you know, they can be the most amazing person in the world and they're still going to have a bad day, mess up, and not be able to give you what your expectation was that they're supposed to give you. And then your world can spiral down or you could, you know, it's here first. So if you know your self-worth, if you know your value, then every day, your name will be first on the list. And it doesn't take long, ladies, right? It's not like a six-hour spa treatment every day that you need, okay? And that would be fun, I'm just saying. But, you know, the, the concept is feed yourself first. We all know the story. All of us have been on an airplane. When the things come down and the oxygen mask comes on, you're always told, first for yourself and then help others. So it's that same concept. You need to be first on the list. And with that, then the pleasing, performing, perfecting drops down because you've filled yourself, not with narcissism, not with anything fake, but with true, meaningful love. Find that through meditation, through prayer, through I read scripture. Some people might read something different. That's fine. The point is, feel this first. 
and then you can go out. I talk a lot about light and I believe that we all have light within us. And in that light that we have within us, we need to fuel it first so that when we can amplify it out towards others. It's not a whole bunch of us getting together, like a whole bunch of candles coming together to make something brighter. It's your own individual light, fueling it, keeping that vessel with oil fueled every single day. And then you then can shine out towards someone else and then amplify like you were a lens or a mirror and your light then amplified stretches to someone else, but only if it's fuel. So fuel first, ladies. Yeah, I love that. Such wisdom and advice. Thank you so much, April, for sharing that. So April, is there anything else about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with other women? Well, um, I would like to say, I have to tell you, when the mistakes happen, because they happen every day, don't obsess over them. And if there's something to learn from it, learn from it, and then keep the journey moving forward. If you have to take some time, I recommend take that deep hour, cry about it, write it out, you know, express it, work through the emotion. You'll probably find an answer and you're working through that. And then you'll be able to journey forward and move on. Don't lock anything away. Don't sweep anything underneath the rug because they just get bigger and badder. (laughs) And they're like dust bunnies, aren't they? (laughs) Don't do it. Don't do it. Find accountability. Women, we are meant to be together. We're meant to be a sisterhood. Help each other. Don't compete against each other. Love each other. And you'll be so surprised at what happens because you have gifts and talents that somebody else might be able to use. And you might see somebody and think, you know what? I know someone that would be perfect to help this, right? It's that networking, but it's networking in a love that really, really goes forth in such impact that is life-changing. For sure. Yeah. What wonderful words to, to finish our time together. April, I have been so appreciative of you being so open with your wisdom and with uh, sharing your perspective on things. I think it's just brilliant. And I'm so glad you took time to be with me today. Away from your nine children. (laughs) I know. It's like, lock the door. (laughs) Yeah. So April is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen, and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman's story unfolds. Mm 